In the previous podcast, I had alluded to that I was going to go through the offers that are being made and how we should respond to make sure that we're playing in defense within our rights versus offense infringing on somebody else's. I'm going to walk through how the Declaration of Independence acknowledges that our rights come from our Creator and what the Ten Commandments do in giving us a template to walk through the rights that we are given by our Creator. But first I want, there's something that I left out in the Bronco discussion. The Bronco, the Puka. (laughs) But I had mentioned that I had seen the color Area 51. Now all these colors seem to be the leaves of the fig tree, along with everything else that we're seeing. But there was one specific that I mentioned, but I didn't get into the details. I forgot to describe the, the whole context of what Area 51 was as a color, because I saw it in the comments when somebody had said they had put in their order for a Ford Bronco. It would be the passage of the branch of the trunk of a tree. But what does Area 51 mean? Because there's so much that is pointed to with all this UFO stuff, extraterrestrials, this Area 51 in Nevada. Well, what does area mean? The etymology of area is level ground, open space. It's used of building sites, playgrounds, and threshing floors, etc. Now, the part that I caught there that seems to be really worth looking at is threshing floor. Because we are in a time of tribulation, which is a threshing. But there will be a time of great tribulation, which is great threshing, like the world has never seen or never will see again. What does Jesus say about that? Also, what does 51 mean? What is this Ford Bronco leaf called Area 51, as well as all this pointing to, because there was a whole lot of hub-hub, I think it was two years ago, they were going to storm the the fence in the protected area of Area 51. Again, it was just another pointing to, another messaging. Well, 51, I looked it up in the occult. What was the actual page? So you can look at, if you want, basically what I just said, or I looked up was 51 in the occult. What was the page that I had? I'm not seeing it. Must have closed it. But if you're looking... If you're not comfortable with looking at things that have occult in the title, I'll just tell you what it said. Occult is a season of sacrifice, or necromancy. Necromancy is communicating with the dead. So what do we think is happening at this threshing floor in the desert of Nevada, where they are, in a season of sacrifice, communicating with the dead? A ton. As a leaf of the tree of the Bronco, it tells us a lot. Now there's a lot about the threshing. There's a lot about threshing floor throughout what Jesus taught and from the books that he taught from. But there's also a piece I want to pull out specifically from Matthew 3.12. Again, this is just one line. Read the full context. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into his barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now this also ties in with the parable of the weeds. It talks about what are the weeds versus what are the wheat. Weeds being the seed of the devil, 
wheat being the son of the son of or the seed of the son of man wheat just means that which is white clean chaff would be everything that is threshed off all that purification process everything that the flesh basically around the wheat the flesh that's around the spirit is going to be thrown into the fire along with the weeds those of the sons of the devil. It just was another thing that was pointing to all these, the names of the colors of this Bronco. The Ford Bronco is, just seems to be the leaves of the fig tree, the leaves of the Bronco. But what I want to look at is all of these different offers that are going to be made. What do I mean by offer? Basically what I'm saying is the temptations of the devil, the candy, the comforts. Those are the offers that are going to be made. Even the devil went to, the, went to Jesus and said, or he took him to an exceedingly high place and said, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. That's a, it sounds like a pretty good offer. But the key is to understand what are our rights that are given to us by God that are recognized by the governments of the world. Remember, government is a thing. It means govern, control, meant, mind. It's just a system. And Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and you lawyers, because they've created a system. It's a thing. And it controls people's minds. It instills fear, but it's not a man or a woman. Therefore, it doesn't have rights, and it can't infringe on yours. But it makes people think so, and that's why it's called mind control. Now, when we look at the preamble, the Declaration of Independence, what does it state? It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that, men, that all men are created equal. That means every man has the same rights. They can't infringe on others, and others can't infringe on yours. In the prayer that Jesus gives to us as an example, it is referred to as the Lord's Prayer, He says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Forgive us our transgressions, our trampling of somebody else's rights as they've trampled on ours. And we forgive them for that. Come to an equitable agreement to make things right. Now, again, this plays in because governments... Are made up of men. Those men don't have any rights greater than yours, nor do you have rights greater than them. So when you realize that this whole system of mind control doesn't have rights, it is just something to make you think that you need to follow them. But they, you don't. It all comes down to who is making a claim against you. Or are they a witness to a claim? Did you transgress against somebody? And if there isn't an individual man or woman making the claim, there is no claim. Jesus gives us an example of how this plays out. When the scribes and Pharisees bring a woman to him and say that she has committed adultery, and he says to them, who is making the claim? I'm paraphrasing poorly. And they slowly start leaving until there's nobody there. And then he goes to the woman. He says, who is making this claim against you? And she says, nobody. He says, nor do I, because if he was to and he didn't see it happen, he would be bearing false witness. 
There was no individual. They were trying to come as a system, portraying power that they didn't have because they weren't making the claim themselves. Now, this is, now I'll continue, but I'll start over again, actually. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So again, it's an acknowledgement that our rights come from God, not a piece of paper called a constitution. So when people say that they are pro-constitution, I don't think they really know what they're saying. They should say they are pro-natural law. They are pro-law given to us or endowed by their creator. These are unalienable rights, meaning they cannot be revoked. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, what does that mean? Unalienable, like I said, is they can't be surrendered or given up. You have them. No matter what law is passed, they're only acts or statutes. Those don't apply to men. They're trying to con convince you that these are in play against, but they're all corporate. They're all of the dead system. Now, life is to cause or source of, cause or source of living. Basically, you can't kill somebody and they can't kill you. They can't infringe on your ability to live, to travel, to defend your family, to provide for your family. That's life. Liberty is formal permission from authority to do something. Where does that authority come from? Our creator. Not from men, not from a piece of paper called the Constitution. From our creator. And the pursuit of happiness. That is action of following briskly for the purpose of overtaking a pleasant and contented mental state. It's, it's your pursuit of knowledge, wisdom. Those are your rights. Everything else just kind of falls into these three buckets. I want to walk through how the Ten Commandments fits with this. Because it, the Ten Commandments basically is the blueprint to make sure that we don't infringe and trespass or transgress on others' rights, because once we do that, now we are guilty. Excuse me. But first, before I get into the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20, I want to address something, because there, there's a doctrine. Again, this is a man-made theology of the grace doctrine. And this comes, one of the sources this comes from is Romans 6.14. Now, again, I'm not saying anything pro or con with, when it comes to Paul and his disciples. There's just something to me that gives me pause, and I stand back from it. I follow what Jesus taught in the books that he taught from. The teachings of Paul seem to be something that gives me pause and question, so I don't spend a lot of time there, because it does seem to create questions and division. And different theologies and doctrines have come out of this, like rapture, like the Trinity, and like the grace doctrine. I'm going to let you all, I'm not going to go into all of those, but there's enough to be discussed or at least thought about with those doctrines. What does Jesus say about those doctrines? Does he mention them? I don't see it. But what happens in what is said in Romans 6.14 is for... Uh, can't read my own note. I wrote something wrong, so now I had to go back and get it right. 
For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. That seems to be the basic template for this grace doctrine. And people will say things like they're not under the law, so they don't need to know the law. I don't know if that's taken out of context, but it seems to match up with what is being taught there. At least it is creates a, a versus by just having one verse that has created a doctrine and a conflict. I want to go back to what does Jesus say about this? Because he's very clear that what is said here that we're not under the law but under grace doesn't seem to match up perfectly. So again, this is just a piece, a few lines, but again, go back, read full context. This is Matthew 5, starting in verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. Now that's just verse 17. People usually package that, put it with 614, and see, see, we're not under the law because Jesus fulfilled it. But they don't go on to read the rest to understand the rest of the text, the context. Because he follows up and says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, or a jot, or tittle, in some versions, this is from ESV, English Standard Version, will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So that doesn't seem to, to me that doesn't mean that the law is no longer in existence. It means that it's even more important because Jesus continues on in Matthew 5 to reiterate it with even more importance that we are to follow these Ten Commandments. Now before that it even goes, Jesus talks through what is the meaning of being blessed. It goes against this hashtag blessed doctrine that seems to fit with this grace doctrine. We need to understand what the ten laws that are given are because they still are important and it, we are we're to follow them and we're supposed to teach them. But there seems to be this doctrine that, have, that has come into play that says you don't need to know them, you don't need to follow them. It's the opposite. Now let's go into Exodus chapter 20. This is the Ten Commandments, but it's not ten bullet points. There's context. Now God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Again, that's the first one. No other gods before him. You shall not make yourself any graven idol or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water below the earth. So it's saying there like <laughs> all the symbols of churches, these, the statues and everything that people are arguing and fighting over about right now, the crosses, I don't think we're supposed to have those. I'll let you determine that, but that's what it says to me. You should not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of them who hate me, and showing loving kindness to thousands of them who love me and my commandments. Love me and my commandments, as we're walking through them. These are to be taken seriously. You shall not take the name of your Lord of the Lord your God in vain, 
for the Lord will not hold guiltless anyone who takes his name in vain. What does it mean to take the name? Think of a marriage. Jesus uses the bridegroom, the, the wedding supper, those things often. When you take the name of somebody, it's like you're being married to them. You are actually taking their name. You are joining together with somebody. And to do so in vain means that it is with ill effect. If you were to say that you are a follower of Jesus but don't know what he taught nor do you care, you would be taking the name in vain. That's why I'm, I'm suspect about the term Christian. It's follower of Christ, which is the anointed. A follower of Jesus is follower of the rescuer. It means something different. Either, in either case, if you don't know what the context, what the text, what the teachings are from Jesus, from the books in which he taught from, I don't know how you would be taking the name without taking it in vain. It's something to really be considerate of because we are, as I walk through the Declaration of Independence, one of the primary rights that we are given that cannot be taken away is our pursuit of happiness, which is knowledge, to understand how this law works. What are our rights? There's also something to this about vain because it's connected to vanity. Now, in the movie The Devil's Advocate, there's a part at the end of the movie that seems to sum up the whole thing, how easy it is for the devil to confuse or tempt us, to pull us off track. He says, he gives the character played by, what was he? he was Neo in Keanu Reeves. He was also played the character of Neo in The Matrix. But he gets him to put away his humility and he sucks in, he pulls him in through vanity. And the character that is playing the devil says, Vanity, my favorite sin. It's because it's, it bolts up the flesh of man, and it essentially puts, us, puts the flesh of ourself into a position that would nullify the first commandment, which is, you shall have no other gods before me, because we are worshiping self. We are bolt, boosting ourselves above. It's a dangerous thing. Be aware of it. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no, you shall do, excuse me, I'm going to start over. Remember the, the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. He made it holy. He made it complete. He made it undamaged. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to keep it undamaged. What is it? The creation story of the first six days. People get really hung up on this word Sabbath. And that's one of the commandments that gets pushed out because they'll say Jesus is our Sabbath. Well, we're not supposed to relax any of these commandments, so we're supposed to remember the six-day creation in its entirety, in its whole, holy form. That's what the seventh day is. People get really hung up on the Sabbath, but it's the seventh day. 
How do we know what the creation story is? What does Genesis chapter 1 say? What does Job chapter 38 say? They are extremely important. They are very clear what it is, and it is very different from what the world is teaching us creation looks like. Understanding what creation looks like from the concept of how God made it in six days is critical for us to understand and to keep the commandments. We'll walk through that in another podcast. We'll do it from the Job 38. But it's a big conversation that has a lot of people going off of evidence from NASA, which comes from NASA. Their logo is the forked tongue. It is a lot of images that are created and convince us that it's real. But the evidence isn't there. It's one of the things that they scrubbed from all of YouTube. Most of the internet has been cleared of all of the evidence that people had put out there. There's a reason for it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Honor. How do you honor somebody? You do things that don't embarrass them. You hold them in a place of respect. doesn't mean you have to do everything that they tell you, but you live in a way that would honor their name so that they can be pleased with you and you don't make them look foolish. You shall not murder. Now that's one that's coming up a lot, especially as people are getting riled up. That's one of the biggest offers that's coming as this the drums of war are beating and people are calling for a civil war. What does murder mean? It means to kill, slay, kill criminally, kill with premeditated malice, meaning your intent is thought of beforehand and you are going to kill this person. Now one of the things that has happened is people don't know what their rights are. They haven't stood for the truth. They've let things go because they're they have been controlled by the mind control, the government, that they have to do certain things to give up their rights. They get to a point where they've given up so much that now they get frustrated. Somebody comes along and starts rallying the troops, and then they're ready to go fight. The problem is they didn't play defense. Now they want to. They feel offended. They want to go on the offense. The problem is if you go on the offense, you are now murdering you don't have the justification of defense anymore. It's a different thing. That's why Jesus says even, when they come to persecute you in one town, flee to another. You have options. If you want to plant your feet in the ground and fight any on-taker, you're probably going to end up dead. So just pick your battles. I don't know how this all plays out. I'm not telling you not to defend. I'm not telling you how to play this, the future out but I want you to think it through first. Don't go on the offensive. Don't take that offer. Be aware of if you are in the right in defending. What does Jesus say about it? Be aware of that. Use your pursuit of happiness right to have the knowledge. I'll continue. You shall not commit adultery that would be having sex with somebody outside of your marriage or somebody else that is married. You're trespassing against somebody else. You're infringing on their rights. You shall not steal. 
You're taking somebody from somebody else. You're infringing on their rights. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You are lying. You're putting somebody in a position that is not fair or right. You're infringing on somebody else's rights. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's because you would be infringing on your neighbor's wife. You'd be wanting what they have. All the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. They said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you so that the fear of him may be before you so that you do not sin. The people stood at a distance, or stood a distance away as Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You yourselves have seen that I have spoken to you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver alongside me, or make gods of gold or for yourselves. You shall not make an altar of earth for me, and on it, excuse me, you shall make an altar of earth for me, and on it you shall sacrifice your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. If you, make an, if you will make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it out of cut stones. For if you use your tool on it, you will have polluted it. And you shall not go up to or up by steps to my altar, so that your nakedness will not be exposed on it. Now look what that says about, think about just the, the modern church system. All the different hewn or cut stones, the buildings, the altars, the crosses, the symbols, the statues. How does that fit in with what, Jesus, what the Lord just told them there? as well as the second commandment about making graven, graven images. Just something to think about. Who are you listening to? Where are you going to listen to them? What does your worship look like? Do you understand what your rights are? And do you realize that we are given the Ten Commandments so that we don't infringe on others' rights, that we don't trespass, that we don't trans transgress on others' rights. Recognize that your rights come from your Creator, not from men, and not from the systems of men that are called government. It is mind control. I caution you not to get sucked into things like politics. It is the science of mind control. In all these things that we're seeing with the news articles being examples revealing the messages that tell you what is happening and what is going to happen. Many people are following the MAGA movement. I pointed out what that is. In Latin, it means witch. In the Church of Satan, it is the fifth and highest rank. The person that was behind all of it, his name means world ruler of ten horns. He is the one that claims responsibility for the little miracle of the vaccination or the vaccine and preparing the cattle. Many people that were part of this following, the one that rolled out his golden image at CPAC, 
the ones that were following that, many of them were questioning the vaccine that is now being offered to people. That offer will probably come with privileges. If you're willing to take it, you will be able to function in society in the short term with all the benefits and privileges of a corporate self. Know your rights. They can't infringe on that. They can't infringe on your life. They can't infringe on your liberty or your pursuit of happiness. But anyway, he just came out. He was on uh, Fox News. Fox, again, would be... <laughs> Fox would be the head of Anubis, the ruler of the underworld from Egyptian theology. On there, he was interviewed, and he encouraged those that followed him to take the vaccine. If you haven't paid attention to the controversy around it, what it is, just even in the wording, messenger RNA. Messenger is the same word in meaning as angel. RNA is the code that can alter your DNA, the building block of who you are. So when God says, if you build an altar to me, don't make it out of cut stones. If we are now the altar and we are taking these vaccines, are we not potentially cutting the altar to God? It's something to think about because Jesus says it will be like in the days of Noah. The days of Noah, they were doing all kinds of abominations. The land was full of violence, but it was also the time and after that time where the fallen angels had come and taken wives of them. They, have mi they had mixed their DNA. They created the giants, the men of old, the men of renown, the mighty men, the ones that will be kept honest at the abomination. Understand what this offer of a vaccine is. It is a, they call it a vaccine, which it is not, but they're calling it because they're telling you what it is. It's the herding. Vaccine comes from vodka, the Latin word for cow. It is for a virus, a poison. They call it a jab, a spear going into your arm. It is a weapon of poison. It doesn't directly change your DNA but it has the ability to, through the messenger RNA and how it functions in your body, to create your, a system where your body kills itself. That's the messaging that is at least coming out on it. I think there's more to it, and it's probably negative. Just be aware of what the offers are, and don't be offended because you didn't know it, and now you do. Because when you are offended, you turn into offense and you forfeit your rights. Stay on the defensive. Know the truth. Know your rights. Your rights come from your creator. They are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Again, that is your life. You can't infringe on somebody else's. Liberty, it's your permission. That comes from your creator. Pursuit of happiness is knowledge. To seek knowledge. That's your right and your responsibility. As we are given through the Ten Commandments, we have those rights and responsibilities. 
Ten Commandments inform us, don't infringe on other people's rights through these Ten Commandments. Godspeed.